Welcome to your Optimal Personal Economy podcast with Justin Bennett. Your personal economy is your ability to create, protect, preserve, and utilize your wealth, your financial world. Justin will share strategies and stories to help you optimize your personal economy. Now, on to the show with Justin Bennett and co-host Matt Halloran. Hello and welcome to episode number 12 with Justin Bennett. Today's podcast, we're going to talk about a deep philosophical question, and I'm so excited to pick Justin's brain about this, which is what is your approach to planning? Now, there are going to be life applications to this, not just financial services applications to this. So Justin, tell me where we're going to begin with this conversation today. Hey, Matt. Yeah, you know, I think that there's not only the philosophy that goes into approaching planning. There's also the practicality that goes into it. And what I've learned is that it's very, very common to see that people live a very fast-paced life between their professional world and their personal world. And they almost go through this planning in like a checkbox mentality where Mm -hmm. they check off the box, they've bought it, They've satisfied it, they've done it, and they check off the box and they move forward. And then they almost find themselves living in a very reactive world and not a proactive world. Because when you think about it, you know, planning means that you're getting out in front of what might happen both today as well as into the future. So I think it's a different approach to planning that we help our clients with than what I see so, so often in the marketplace. Is the process then fluid, consistently changing, or does it work within a structure with you? The process that we use is called a lifetime financial discipline. And so when you look at those three words, it's pretty clear that it's over one's lifetime. It's associated with finances or money, and it requires discipline, Mm -hmm. right? So lifetime financial discipline And when you start to learn and understand and embrace the process, you know, one doesn't want to deviate from the process because of the refreshing nature that it offers. And it really allows somebody to take their approach to planning and say, okay, well, maybe this checkbox approach that is so convenient and so easy and so what appears to be less costly, which never ends up being less costly. It always ends up being (laughs) more costly. Maybe this approach could be looked at and then we can determine if the results that will follow will be in line with what you really want. So what I think, you know, as an example, Matt, I think maybe what we do is just jump right in and and just give you, you know, an example. Oh, I would love that. Yeah. The listeners would love that too. Give us an example. Perfect. Yeah. So like when we sit with somebody and we get to the point of we're starting to identify how we can create value in one's world. Like our conversation initially begins with just the estate planning conversation. And we're not attorneys. We don't draft documents. You know, we're not going to be you know doing things that estate planning attorneys do. What we're going to do, though, is we're going to have a conversation because it's important and it's critical that the person understands that if they have no estate planning documents – Number one, you know, how they you know could potentially be prepared so that the documents or the language in the documents are consistent with what they truly want over their lifetime. Mm-hmm. But then also 
just like an example would be oftentimes there's a lack of understanding that one can have a direct beneficiary asset like, for example, a retirement plan, a 401k, an IRA. One could also have another direct beneficiary asset like a life insurance policy. Mm -hmm. And you would name a beneficiary designation, perhaps a primary and a secondary directly associated with and on those accounts. And so what we see so often is that one just quickly, you know, fills out some beneficiary designations a long time ago, never comes back to those beneficiary designations. And then at some point in the future, prepares their estate planning and, you know, their estate planning and the way in which they want their money to flow to spouse, children, grandchildren is contradictory or inconsistent with the beneficiary designations on maybe two of their biggest assets that they have in their personal economy. Hmm. Wow, that's really bad. I mean, how is that even handled on the lead? Well, okay, I know you're not an attorney. I probably shouldn't ask you that question. But you have that conversation. Let me ask it in a different way. You have that conversation to make sure that those things are reviewed when you're reviewing somebody's personal economy, right? To optimize it, to make sure that all of those things are firing together, right? This is like a, a high-performance engine that you're helping create for your clients. And if one of those valves of that engine are not firing along with the other ones, it can really mess up the whole thing, can it? Absolutely. And so that a very, very clear example of how our approach to planning takes what we call a coordinated approach, where there's multiple moving parts to one's economy, and it becomes a question of how do those parts work together so that they're consistent and in line with what the client wants. And I think a lot of times, you know, the uh, the financial services business, which is such a broad yeah. industry, I guess, if you call it that, you know, they, they very seldom spend time with this conversation. And you think about the importance of this conversation, and I think, frankly, we're willing to put in the work with the client, for the client, so that they understand who we're about, what we're about, and why we're about it. And then they start to look at us a little bit differently, and Mm -hmm. we start to really work hard to build trust and confidence and start to let that client know what we're about because we're not looking to just sit down with them and see how much money they're going to push across the table so that we can invest it for them. And so although we may get to a point in the lifetime financial discipline process that we have that includes how to properly structure investments and how they can be managed and how they can be coordinated, but that's not what we're leading with. We're leading with what's really important, what's critical, what's protection-based, what could happen today. And we're making sure that there's proper organization, proper coordination. And I think the clients start to see that that different narrative right up front, right from the get-go, is one that they have not been exposed to in the past, nor can they Google that, right? Right. Well, I want you to unpack that a little bit more. It's uh, that word, coordination. So whom are you coordinating with? I mean, are you coordinating with, obviously, in the example you gave, like an estate planning attorney. But it sounds to me like a big difference that you have with between you and other financial services professionals is, is this level of coordination? And then you jokingly play nice with other people in the sandbox. But I think the question then is who's in the sandbox with you and who are you uh, working so diligently to make sure that everything is coordinated? Sure. I mean, a lot of clients either have existing 
existing relationships or a lot of times don't have a relationship that they perhaps want to. So we find ourselves working with, as you mentioned, estate planning attorneys. We find ourselves working closely with property and casualty insurance professionals, whether it be on a personal front, like homeowners, Mm -hmm. automobile, umbrellas, deductibles, limits of liability. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that conversation. And so we want to move in that case, in that example of property and casualty, Matt, we want to move away from perhaps the transactional approach that the client has been exposed to up to the point that they meet us and move more into a consultative approach around that one segment of their economy. Okay. So, you know, it also could be the property and casualty professional for the business side of the the person's life. If they own a business, it's general liability and, you know, all the different lines of commercial property and casualty that, you know, the business may want. And then there's, of course, bankers and uh, whether it be a banker just from a pure checking account standpoint or a bank that's more favorable to where they live geographically or a bank that offers lower fees. We move into, you know, lenders, whether it be a mortgage professional or a bank, depending upon what the client's circumstance may be. Uh, We work closely with CPAs and tax advisors. I mean, we don't do taxes. We don't claim to do taxes. Mm -hmm. We have an awareness of generally how tax work, but we need to make sure that we're not just saving taxes today. We're also taking into consideration the tax that may be present in the future, right? Because, you know, that conversation is, you know, hey, well, when we go to retire, we're going to be at a lower tax bracket. And there's that ongoing challenge between, let's call it the tax community, tax planning community, the Mm -hmm. CPAs around trying to save a tax today while not taking into consideration what one's planning may look like in the future with respect to taxes. And nobody knows what the taxes are going to be, but I think it's fair to say that there will be taxes. So I want to, okay, I love that because that's the example. When we talked about this before we started recording, I think my biggest question was going to be, what happens with that person who you, you as the coordinator of all of this, has to be able to communicate with and, and make sure you're on the same page? What happens if one of them is not on the same page? And, and I think the CPA is a great example because CPAs generally seem to focus on today, right? So, you know, how can I save you taxes on this year's tax return? And I know because of your forward thinking approach and the way that you really structured this optimal personal economy that you're not just thinking of today, you're thinking about many, many, many years to come. What happens when two people start getting grumpy in that sandbox? Well, you know, you have to be understanding that at all times, like 100% of the time, no matter what, the client always has to win out, right? Mm -hmm. So there has to be levels of humility. There's got to be like the egos checked at the door. Mm. And there's got to be this level of understanding that the client always has to win out, period. Like regardless of one's maybe bias or opinion, right? Like the client has to win out. So we have to always come at it from that perspective. And when the conversation is grounded in that approach, then the person that we're working, the client that we're working with knows that they're always going to be front and center. And so therefore they're always going to win out. And so although professionals may differ on some conversations, I think they need to recognize that it's a perhaps a healthy challenge Mm. where we can talk it through so that ultimately the client 
does win out. Mm-hmm. And we can do it with the client. It doesn't have to be you know behind closed doors, but rather it could be right there with the client on a phone call or at a conference room table. Having it be truly client-centered is something that is refreshing. Because you're right, when you're at a specific level of professionalism, especially when it comes to financial services professionals, estate planning attorneys, attorneys in general, and CPAs, unfortunately, there is a lot of ego involved. And I'm, I'm hoping that everybody who's listening to this really keyed in on what he just said, what Justin just said there, because it's not about him. It is definitely about his level of expertise, but the overall view and the outcome of this coordination has to do with you as the client coming out ahead. And Justin, thank you very much for saying that because that's a very refreshing, very powerful statement. Who else? Okay. So you talked about a personal banker. You talked about CPAs, accountants. Can you talk to the audience a little bit about maybe some untraditional coordination that you might need to do either from a business owner's perspective or from a non-business owner's perspective? I can. And just in the interest of the attention of the listeners on this podcast, because obviously we're continuously rolling out uh, new episodes, additional episodes and we'll be covering ongoing, very, very valuable content. Maybe what I'll do is just share this one last item and then we could um, wrap up today if you think that makes sense, Matt. Yeah. Can we, uh, Can you, would you mind on a future episode that we, we address that in a little bit more depth? Yeah, sure. That, Fantastic. That sounds good, I'll, I'll, just, okay. I'll just finish by saying like one of the things that we talk about which I think it applies to whether you're a business owner or not a business owner, is the importance of liquidity. And we have a clear definition that that would be equal to 12 months of your burn rate. So 12 months to run your business or 12 months to spend your personal lifestyle at the manner at which you want. We would highly, highly recommend and coach people to move in the direction to ultimately get this amount of capital that's equal to 12 months their burn rate. Now, the challenge with it, frankly, is that people feel like they're giving up an opportunity cost on that money because cash right now has very, very low rates of return by way of interest because interest rates are low. Mm -hmm. However, the damage that it can easily and frequently causes in people's world by not having that proper liquidity because they're trying to chase after a potential rate of return and an unplanned life event occurs, which will always occur and will occur on an ongoing basis, creates so much pain and harm because if the liquidity is not there because they were taking that money to go chase a rate of return and the unplanned life event comes up and they don't want to liquidate the investment that's getting a great rate of return, they turn to debt. When you turn to debt, you then put pressure on cash flow. When you put pressure on cash flow, you reduce your savings rate. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of a real quick wrap up maybe to show how the planning that we do with clients and for clients is very much different than this independent checkbox approach that so frequently happens when somebody's trying to do their planning for themselves or they're trying to work with you know more of a traditional type approach. Great, great advice. Thank you very much, Justin, for episode 12 today, which was what is your approach to planning? Now, if you have not subscribed yet to our podcast here, uh, please make sure that you click the subscribe button below. You can subscribe on any of the audio programs that you're listening to. And then when a new podcast comes out, just like Justin was talking about, then that will be pushed directly to your listening device. I hope everybody has a great day. Justin, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Matt. We'll talk to you all very, very soon.